You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mela Borowski and you're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. We've got Annette Schmidt here with us today, and she's going to talk to us about money, wealth consciousness, mindset, manifestation. I know y'all want to hear this. Annette is a financial life coach, real estate investor, and spiritual junkie with over a decade's worth of experience in the finance industry. Once she was able to change her money mindset, she was able to pay off over $40,000 worth of student loans, $6,000 worth of credit card debt, and started leveraging money to build wealth and create an abundance mindset, including real estate investing, all while making less than $100,000 a year. And now she helps other women do the same by teaching them about both the art and science of money so they can break free from stagnant beliefs and money cycles that are no longer serving them and start creating the financial life of their dreams. Anna, I think we're going to have a lot of listeners who are ready and willing to hear what you have to say. That's a really incredible story. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. In your bio, you also say that you didn't start out as a financially savvy person. It took years of bounced checks, paying interest and overdraft fees before you changed your money mindset. I think people can relate to those predicaments. How did you change your mindset from that? Yeah, so I grew up uh, I grew up in a very, I guess you'll say poor. I mean, that's the easiest mm. way to say it is we didn't have a lot of money. In fact, we were so lacking that we knew the eviction rules in our um, state, like the back of our hands, because we were constantly wow. yeah, behind mm. on rent, having to leave, having to, you know, get around the rules to try and stay. There were five of us, three children, um, two adults. And so I definitely did not grow up with the best money mindset. I had no idea mm. what to do with money because believe it or not, just like a lot of families and a lot of individuals, we did have times where even as poor as we were, we came into a lot of money, right? Tax returns. Mm-hmm. There were three children. We would get windfalls of money, but yet a couple months later, we would still be behind on rent. We would still mm. be, you know, living hand to mouth um, to the point of where we couldn't even get credit cards. Like we were that broke, yeah. we didn't even have the option. And so that's really how my relationship with money started out. So it was really this idea of when money comes in, I'm just going to spend it. I don't know what else to do with it. I was never yeah. taught what else to do with it. And I really was lucky though that at the age of 18, I ended up applying for a job at the bank. And that was where my journey with starting to shift my relationship with money started to evolve and it started to change. Oh, wow. Did working at the bank also get you interested in the financial life coaching business? Yeah. So uh, I was at the bank for, so for the last 10 years, I've been in corporate finance and Mm. just recently got into life coaching. So throughout my career in corporate finance, I started to figure out different strategies and I would help 
people calling in on how to balance their checkbook. And I started Mm. to realize throughout my entire career and eventually, especially as I got into investing and the retirement side of it, I started to realize that a lot of people are stuck in these money cycles. Like they were just like we were, they got these windfalls of money or they would have these opportunities to break these cycles. But because of their mindset and because of their relationship and their belief system, they would just get stuck right and sucked right back in these cycles and it would just continue to perpetuate. You know, it's like when they say the universe is going to continue to give you a lesson until you learn it. And that's exactly what happens with money as well. So um, after my career in finance, I decided to stay home with my son. And now after the last couple of years, he's getting older, we're starting to look at preschool. And I was like, you know what, instead of going back to corporate world where I just continue to see this happen, how about we start doing financial coaching for women to try and help them break those cycles? Let Mm. me try to branch out and help other women who are trying to better their relationship with money. Because I think in corporate America, there's this very scientific approach to money, right? It's all about the numbers. And it's all about, you know, making sure you spend less than you earn, which is important. But then there's also this other aspect of limiting beliefs, our mindset, our relationship with money, our energetics that come into play with our relationship. So I think that piece is just as important. Yeah, you mentioned coming into windfalls and we've had stimulus checks and yeah. we may be getting another stimulus check when we're recording this. Now, this is not going to go out till after we've probably all gotten them. <laughs> but can you give us some advice of when we do get that big tax refund or a stimulus check mm-hmm. or something? What, what's the number one advice of what we should be looking at spending that on? Yeah, so the first thing you're going to want to do before you even look at spending that money is to find out what are your goals, like what are your desires? Because I think a big piece of uh, our getting stuck in these cycles and our not knowing what to you know do with the money or being worried about or confused or stressed is the fact that we're not aligning money with our own individual values so Mm -hmm. i can tell you what i'm going to do with my stimulus money but that might not align with how you want to live your life so you really need to get clear on what are your desires and that's where you need to start figuring out what are your whys so your financial goals how do you want to live your life what does a perfect you know day look like for you and then what we need to do is then figure out how to use that stimulus money as a means to help get you to those goals so if a perfect day for you is going to be let's say Um, you're thinking about retiring. Well, then maybe you need to look at investing some of that stimulus money. If a perfect day for you means you're not worrying about debt anymore, okay, then look at using that money to maybe pay off some of your debt. Or if it's, you know, running your own business, perfect. Look at investing that money into ways that that are going to help you run your business or invest in yourself and your education to get you to that goal. I think that is so important is that you figure out first how to align your money with your values. Yeah, those are excellent pieces of advice. So y'all listen to that. Think about that because even if even if we don't get any more stimulus checks, you're still going to come into money that you need to decide what you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. When we're thinking about the problems that people have with money and the best, nicest person still could have problems with money, mm-hmm. what do you think is one of the main financial issues that people are dealing with? Is it just that they don't know how to spend it? Is it that they're not saving or what is it? I think the biggest issue is that people think that once it's gone, it's never coming back. 
And I say that because that, I mean, I myself also deal with that issue. I mean, we get this feeling and this anxiety around money that once it's gone, where's the next check going to come from, right? And then we live in this perpetual state of, you know, worry and fear about how are we going to pay our bills or, you know, did we spend the money the right way? And I think that is probably the biggest thing that I see people struggle with. And just like you said, stimulus checks, that's a perfect example of how money is constantly coming to us. Money, I mean, money is all around us, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, at any given moment, you are, you know, only a couple feet or a couple yards away from, you know, thousands of dollars. If you think about all the money flowing around in our cash system, Mm -hmm. um, in cashier checks, in the safe at the, you know, store. So money is all around us. And it's really interesting because I think a lot of times we just get stuck though on the, is this going to be the last dollar that I get. And we know, I mean, if you were to, and this is a practice I have a lot of my clients do, I ask people to go back and think about all the money that came in over the last five years and to add it up, like everything, not just from your job, but how much money did you know you get from birthdays? Like try to think that specific and average it out if you have to, but think about all that money that came in. And it's not to produce any kind of shame about, oh, where did all that money go? Because if I, I mean, if I think back (laughs) to like when I was a teenager, that is when the shame hits me. I'm like, wait a minute, right? Like how did I have gas money? We had no money. Like what did I do? But I really think that this exercise helps you to see that, okay, if in the last five years, you got that much money. Imagine what the next five years of life is going to bring. And I think it helps people just kind of relax a little bit when it comes Mm -hmm. to their relationship with money and just kind of how they feel about it overall. The whole adage of money is the root of all evil. Do you think that has either helped or harmed people's thoughts about money? That has actually definitely harmed people's thoughts about money. And it's unfortunate because it's still, I believe, getting played out. And I I say that because a lot of people are consciously saying no. You know, they're starting to use affirmations to change their mindset, which is amazing. It's mm-hmm. just that we still have these subconscious levels of uh, things that have been ingrained in us from our environment. It's for this idea of nurture, right? Nurture versus nature. It's the things that have been taught to us by our parents um, that have been ingrained in us throughout our environment. And unfortunately, it's still being played out in our media. We see these, you know, people talking about like the richest men or the richest women. And then you talk about like what um, they're doing. And then we talk about like taxing the rich or taxing the poor. or You know, you just continue to have this struggle between the dynamics of individuals and it's all centering around money and what people are doing with their money or how much money they're spending or contributing or donating and how much money they're not spending or contributing or donating so no i don't think money is the root of all evil i think that if some if you become a millionaire or you know a billionaire i don't think it makes you evil i think it enhances the characteristics that you already have within yourself Mm. if you're a giving person and you get a lot of money look at um, uh, what is her name? Scott McKenzie? McKenzie, I want to say. Um, one of the richest women, right? She has a ton of money and she has been donating. Jeff Bezos' ex, uh, ex-wife, in case I got mm-hmm. her name wrong. But she has been donating tons of money, like billions of dollars. Wow. And so I think when you, that's just a great example of how when someone gets a lot of money, it's just going to enhance their characteristics. So as I said, if you're a person who gives and you get a lot of money, that just means you're going to give more. Um, it means you're going to donate more. And the same thing with greed. If you're a person who's greedy with $10, 
you know, if you get a hundred or a hundred thousand dollars, it's, you're going to have the same inner feelings. That's where you though, if you want to start changing those inner feelings, you need to start doing that shadow work and start working through those belief stru uh, structures that you have. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm so thrilled that you mentioned shadow work because that is my thing. I help yeah. people with shadow work. I, it changed my life. And so, yeah, it's hard work, the hardest yeah. inner work you can do. But that's how you have to go in and really restructure the ideas and things that you have. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, shadow work is something that I, I am still continuing to do. So I've done... Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I've been in the science side of money for the last, you know, decade, and now I'm in this art side of money. And shadow work, I think, is one of the most eye-opening practices that I've gotten into. I, I really am loving it, and I'm loving the results, too. I know what I tell people as the first thing that they can do to start shadow work, but tell me your idea of how can someone start today with doing this shadow work, especially around money? Yeah, so the first thing I think with doing the shadow work around money, okay, so the first place to start, because there's so many, I mean, money, there's so many different facets. I really think the first place to start is you're going to have to get really open and honest with yourself about your current beliefs around money. And so there's a lot of different questions on the internet that you can, you know, Google and they'll pull up um, to help you find your belief systems. But a couple of the questions you want to start asking yourself is how do you feel about money? How do you feel about having a lot of money? How do you feel about having a little bit of money? How do you feel about giving your money away with no strings attached? Mm. That is a big piece that I know that I have had to work with because I love donating, but because I grew up in such a lack where it was like we really didn't know where the next dollar was coming from i still have to work through this idea of that if i give money away it doesn't mean that i am less off right like it's okay mm -hmm. like i can give it away more money is coming it's just it's the anxiety around okay if i give it away am i now worse off right mm -hmm. and so that's another question to ask yourself right how are you you know how do you feel about donating yeah how do you feel about what's important to you when it comes to making money um do you feel that you need to work long hours in order to make a decent salary or you know what do you want to be able to work a couple hours and make a lot of money i mean that's the idea for everybody yeah. right is to have that freedom but start to get honest with yourself about how you're truly feeling around money mm. and is this how you develop what you call the wealth consciousness yeah, so the wealth consciousness, I believe, is it, that's your first step to developing your wealth consciousness. Hmm. Um, your wealth, wealth consciousness, when I talk about that, is more than just money. So I am a big believer that money is important. It is how, you know, it's what we use day to day to live, to eat, to shelter ourselves. Hmm. However, it, money is not the end. Money is the means to the ends. And I think a lot of times people focus so much on the money aspect of their lives yeah. that they forget about, again, those goals, those desires. Um, and here is one, you know, just one example, but you hear these stories about how you'll see them in the news all the time on like CNBC or wherever. And they say, oh, this person got to retire on the beach making a thousand dollars. And yeah. no, they're probably not Boca Raton, Florida, right? Like that's a little yeah. bit, that cost of living's a little bit higher, right. but they're on a beautiful beach. The palm trees look the same, you know, mm -hmm. they're working the hours that they want to work and it only costs them a thousand dollars to do that. Yeah. But I think a lot of times when we get, where we get stuck is uh, generally is that we get stuck in this idea that 
first I have to make 10,000 a month and then I can start looking for those opportunities. And what happens when we do that, and this is where I think our wealth consciousness, we just fog it all up because what happens is, is that when we do that, we miss out on those opportunities that are the universe is saying, no, you don't. I mean, 10,000 is great. Yes. You don't want to say, I don't want money, but you don't have to wait. I have an opportunity right here for you where you can have this desire. You can have this dream right now. You don't have to first hit a $10,000 mark. But when we're so, again, focused on the money and we're so focused in the wrong spot, we miss out on all the signs from the universe. We miss out on all those other opportunities that are surrounding us that are like neon lights, right? Like, come on, like yeah. come retire. <laughs> and we just don't, we don't pay attention because our attention is focused elsewhere. Hmm. So here's just a practical question. Yeah. Is budgeting important? Yeah. I mean, I think, so here's the thing. So you, again, it's the science and the art. And the science piece is, is that you have to spend less than you earn in order mm -hmm. to, I mean, you can't spend money you don't have for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can certainly borrow, you can get into debt, but if you're spending more than you're earning, I'm guessing that you're not aligning the way you use money and the way you see it with your true values and your true desires like there's a lot of ego getting into that because you're probably spending money on this that and the other and it you know it's going out the window a lot of times so yes budget so long story short <laughs> budgeting is important <laughs> now i will say i don't budget anymore and the reason being is because i i got into this i, I so i call it intuitive spending and so I got into this habit where I'm able to intuitively spend. I tell myself, this is how much I want to spend for the month. And I'm able to adjust without having to budget in the sense mm -hmm. of I don't have to track my spending. Okay. I am ADHD. So <laughs> keeping detailed budgets is really hard for me. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I created a process and I can go ahead and share it here with your listeners on how I myself was able to move from, you know, the, that line item budgeting to just intuitive spending. It's a lot easier mm -hmm. for me to do. And what, so what you do is a three-step process. First, again, you figure out what your goals are. Like, what are your desires? What do you want to spend your money on? Because, I mean, you don't go on a diet without a reason, right? Nobody's yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to start eating kale. No, it's because you want to lose <laughs> weight. You want to tone, you know? So the same thing with spending your money. Figure out, like, why do you want to go on a budget? Like, why do you want to get more, become more mindful of your money? And then once you've gotten very clear there, then you're going to do an expense audit and go through the last 30 days of your spending. And you're going to write everything out into a category, no miscellaneous. And it's not, again, to create shame around money. What mm -hmm. it's meant to do is to help you become more mindful and say, okay, I say that I value giving to charity, right? You can look mm -hmm. at your last 30 days of spending now. Did you give to charity? If you didn't, then you know, okay, you need to make some adjustments in your spending habits or you need to become honest with yourself and say, is right now, you know, do you actually value giving to charity? Right. So do that and write out categories. No mis Like I said, no miscellaneous. That's a big black hole of where did my money go? Mm -hmm. And then from there, all you're going to do is create a lifestyle design, like a blueprint. You're just going to take a blank sheet of paper, write down all the categories from that expense audit that you want to keep and then just put in the dollar amount. And then this way you're spending, you're creating a budget and you're spending with your values. You're spending with your habits that you've already started to create. So it makes it just that much easier to get a handle on your everyday spending and become more mindful, I think. Yeah, perfect. That That is really great. And 
I love that there's steps to take. It's not just, okay, sit down and make a budget. No, you, no. you're telling exactly how to go through and keeping some of the things. I, I know one time I was trying to budget with my husband. This was several years ago. He's probably going to be pissed at me for telling this story. But <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I said, how much are you spending on lunches at work? <laughs> Right. Said, oh, not, not that much. I said, how often do you go out? I don't know, two, three times a week. I said, okay, guess what? Let's go to the bank website because it's going to tell you exactly where your card has been. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, and we did that and it was absolutely shocking. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, again, it's this mindful piece, right? Like uh, when you just kind of binge Netflix, you're like, wow, I didn't realize that much time went by. It's the same thing when you're swiping your credit card. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, I actually did go. I mean, there was, oh, I have a story for you too. Oh my goodness. So I did an expense audit because I was like, well, I'm spending a little too much money this summer. And I, so COVID hit, right? And it was mm-hmm. middle of summer and I look and we spent almost $300 eating out in a month. Mm-hmm. And that was at least double. And I was like, okay, that should be fine. But then we should have spent less on groceries, right? No, because we spent the same amount on groceries. <laughs> but that just goes to show you how sometimes disconnected we can get with our spending habits. Yeah, and when you're spending $5 here for a snack in the morning on your way to work, and then mm-hmm. you get something out of a, a drink and chips, or that could add up to, but then you add a lunch, that's $15, $20 a day. Yeah, absolutely. It, it adds up quick. Yeah, and, and, and then you and then you say, well, I, I just bought a few snacks, and yeah, that really it does add up. Yeah, and I mean, not many people balance, you know, they don't keep the check register anymore. We don't have checks. No. So, I mean, that's, so unless you're checking that balance every time, one tip I will give um, listeners that I started doing with my credit card, and I did this for fraud purposes to just flag Mm -hmm. if anything fraudulent came up, what you can do as well is if your credit card company offers it, you can get notifications every time your card is swiped. Mm -hmm. And I have just started that recently, and it actually has helped me catch fraud on my account twice because I don't normally, otherwise, I don't review my, again, accounts as often, like line item. Um, But then it also, every time I swipe it, it helps me be more mindful because then, you know, four or five minutes after I swipe it, I get a notification saying your card was used for this dollar amount. I'm like, oh, yes. You know, it reinforces how much you spend. Oh, yeah. That's great. I need to do that myself. So I went to your website and I took the test to find out what my money archetype was. And I got the accumulator. And... Like I told you earlier, just looking around my office, the name fits. So can you tell me more about the accumulator? Yeah. So the accumulator is uh, someone who I would also call a money hoarder. You're the the person (laughs) who likes to collect things, it sounds like, but then also um, you like to collect money. So you like to hoard money. And I, that you stems now from a place of, we've been told a savings account is the safest place to keep money. And so a lot of times an accumulator such as yourself will probably keep money if you have it in a savings account rather than invest it. Or if you're a little bit more savvy, maybe you keep it all in an investment account, but there's not a lot of diversifying. There's not a lot of, you know, spreading it out. And there's a little bit of anxiety with seeing money leave your account. Mm-hmm. So is any of this ringing a bell or? Definitely. Yes. yes. Okay. So yeah. So with the accumulator, it is all about learning how to let go and learning how to release a little bit of control when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to money and knowing that 
you know, money flows, right? Like it comes in yeah. and it goes out and realizing that it's okay for you to spend. It's okay. You know, you're not being irresponsible because you're spending money. That's not the case. And I think a lot of times the accumulator is the one who is overly responsible. I don't know if you can be overly <laughs> responsible, but they're the more responsible one in the group, right? Aggravatingly um, responsible sometimes. <laughs> there we go. They're the ones saying, no, that's not a good idea. We probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, and then you have me. I, I'm the romantic. So I'm more of the spender. And I'm like, come on, YOLO. We only live once. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, the accumulator just it needs, I mean, a big piece is learning that it's not irresponsible to spend money mm. on things you desire. It's all about finding balance. And I think a lot of, so the accumulator can be looked at as underspending, which mm. I think a lot of times isn't talked about as much as the idea of overspending. You hear people talk about overspending all the time. It's in the news, but there is also this idea of underspending and it can come from the same feelings of lack and anxiety. Yeah. So realizing again, going back to it's okay to align your spending and your money with your values and to let some of it go, knowing that you have a, an emergency fund or that you have that cushion um, backed up, you know, to back you up if anything were to happen. Yeah. And I think that when you don't have a whole lot of money, because for most of my life, if mm -hmm. even now we still kind of live paycheck to paycheck and it's scary sometimes to spend money and people, my, my sister came to my house and she saw me wearing this little jacket and I've had the jacket forever. I probably got it at a thrift store and it has holes all in it. And she said that needs to go into garbage. And, <laughs> and I just thought, well, well, it's my favorite jacket. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I still have. Yeah, I'm the same. I have a sweater that's ratty and my husband's like, let's throw it away. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I just don't, I don't want to spend money if it still has use in it. So I can see where I don't like to see money go out. Now, at, the, at work, someone gives me a budget, I can spend their money all day long. <laughs> Yes. I giggle because I, because my husband <laughs> for the last couple of years, I have been a stay at home mom. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hon, we can get this money spent. Don't worry. <laughs> I do like budgeting though. One of the tips that someone told me once, and I can't remember where I heard it. And I tried, and I tried to help my husband with this, but it, for somebody that like my son, who is 20 three years old mm -hmm. if you get all your money in cash and you can tell me if this is a really dumb idea but you get all your money in cash and then you have envelopes for each of the budgeted items and so you put oh. your money in each and yep. when the money's gone out of the envelope that's it for the entertainment or whatever yep. So I know that is very successful for some people and my response here is going to be very biased because of how much time I have worked in the bank, um, banking field. And the reason for that is I think it's a great idea to have envelopes in the sense that you have, because like I said, when you swipe your card, it's just kind of going and you're not adding it mm -hmm. up, but you're like, hopefully it's there. And the envelopes help you see the tangible cash and that's why it yeah. works for some people. The concern I always get whenever I hear that is just again the fraud, right? Like I always because yeah. I've seen people who have lost money and when you mm -hmm. lose cash, you're out cash. So yeah. if you do the envelope method, I would suggest it does it does work to help you become more mindful, but I do suggest to keep a safe of some kind maybe where you keep the envelopes in a safe. Do not carry all the envelopes or a large amount of money on you at all times because if you lose your purse, or you lose all yeah. the envelopes, all your money is gone. So those, so you need to just be mindful of that piece of it as well as you do it. So I think it's a great process. You just need to be very careful and make sure you keep your cash safe. Um, 
another method and alternative to it is called cashless envelopes and that's where people have envelopes and I, this has been done multiple ways um some people use monopoly money mm. and so they will do that to try and you know keep it tangible in mind as they'll put monopoly yeah. money in there and then bring it with them to the store and be like okay this is you know how much i have yeah other times people put a ledger on their envelope or in their envelope so mm. then they'll have a total so it's kind of like when you used to you know have the ledger for your checkbook but they yeah. do it per item and i think what helps with that is still breaking it down from overall your overall bank account to like yeah individual items and then to go a step further i know i've heard other people who have opened multiple bank accounts hmm. and they use different bank accounts for different spending so there's a lot of different ways you can use money and you can use the banking tools provided to help create a system that'll work for you to stay on track when it comes to spending just if you do bank accounts just make sure they are free and there's no fee to open any additional bank accounts that's another mm. piece I really like the idea of the cashless because unless unless you're just doing it for spending money and, and things like that, that could be a lot of money that you have in your envelopes. And yeah. So yeah, yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. And for someone who is very tactile, having that Monopoly money in there, I think for, for kids learning to budget, that might even be great as well. Yeah, and speaking of kids, you can start your kids out fairly young. I mean, I had um, Chuck Jaffe on my podcast. He's a syndicated um, financial uh, journalist, and he even said that you know around the age of four, kids can start learning how to invest in the market. Mm. They can start learn, you know, they can start learning how to save. But as long as it's tangible, like you said, like it can't yeah. be you give them a debit card because I know debit cards are getting very kid debit cards are getting very trendy. Yeah. and popular but for young kids they have to have actual cash money for them to you know understand otherwise mm -hmm. they're going to just be swiping um yeah. but you can actually start your kids out really young too yeah i love that that's so important because they don't even teach you how to sign a check let alone yeah. do your finances in school anymore I know. And it, I think it's crazy, especially with the world we live in today. So I have, uh, you know, just recently gotten involved in cryptocurrency. Mm. And I say that because I, the world we live in today is evolving so much when it comes to money. And especially if we continue to go down this road of cryptocurrency and, you know, blockchain, and that means, you know, it's jargon to a lot of people, we're going to have to start, I feel like, including this in our kids' curriculum. If not the schools, I mean, as parents, we're going to, yeah. you know, have to start teaching our kids this because it's going to, it could get very complicated and we want them to know what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Both of my children are in their 20s now. And my my younger child who's 21 yeah i keep confused and that's <laughs> so sad isn't it yeah, i lose track they're in their 20s yeah hudson is still in college they are very good at taking care of their own money making their own money okay my oldest child though that the personalities are just totally different so oh, i yeah. think that if they took the test that i did even though they are siblings, it would be totally different with how they look at money, even being raised in the same family. Oh yeah. And that, that I hear so often 
that when it comes to kids, even young kids in elementary school, their habits and their relationship with money get formed at such a young age and parents will be able to tell, okay, this one's a spender and this yeah. one's a saver. You know, yeah. like the way they act with their money is completely different. And again, it's because they're starting to figure out that money is the means to help them reach their goals of what they yeah. want out of life. And they, they figure that out at a young age. It's amazing. So it's no, no surprise that your kids are completely yeah. different when it comes to money. My youngest has been buying and trading records vinyl oh, uh, really? into vinyl since high school and making money by going to stores, going to different places, thrift stores, and then reselling the vinyl online. Yeah, yeah, that like, what an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> so how do people get in touch with you? And, and let us know if you have anything that you want to promote as well. I have a website, thefinsavvymom.com. That is where the test is at as well. So if anyone would like to go and see their results. Awesome. And then I have an Instagram. It's at thefinsavvymom. And I am most active in my Facebook group. It is a free Facebook group mm -hmm. called Financially Savvy Moms. And this year I'm actually going through and each month um, hosting a free workshop where each month we are looking at one of the 12 universal laws and how it relates to our money and our money mindset and how we can use that to increase our wealth consciousness. Oh, that's amazing. I love the universal laws. Yeah. So it's called financially savvy moms. Does this mean that you have to be a mom to be in the group? No, there. about half the group is not moms. So okay. you do not have to be a mom. No, you <laughs> just want to make sure. Yeah, this has just been really eye opening information and really practical information. So thank you so much for being here. Yes, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all show Annette and all of our guests some love by visiting their websites, checking out social media, joining Facebook groups. And don't forget that you can always send me comments about an episode, insights, questions you'd like me to answer by clicking on the link to send a little voice message to me. It's super easy, y'all. And I reckon I might just use it on one of our episodes. Take care and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.